time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Holy Spirit, I pray, even as you're already in this place, I pray for an increase of your presence. We say that we can do nothing without you. And so in a cool way, even now, I pray for these students whom you love, whom you adore, whom you are for, even right now. I pray that the spirit of revelation will strike every heart like never before. I pray for a weighty deposit of your power, your anointing, your strength to be imparted to every heart transform lives tonight holy spirit we are expecting to leave here differently than how we walked into this sanctuary tonight we expect to leave here refreshed and rejuvenated and recalibrated and full of holy spirit power and presence even tonight We avail ourselves before you. We surrender and we submit to you. We make a commitment that our attention, our gaze will be upon you and you alone. We choose right now to avoid every distraction from the enemy. I pray that our minds would be sound and alert, that our spirits would be awakened even now. God, I prophesy in the name of Jesus that dead and dry bones will live again, God. I pray where there has been zero passion before, that Holy Spirit passion would even begin to rise. Even now, Father, where there have been dry and stale hearts before, I command a mighty rain of the Spirit. Even now, I declare that the river of God is flowing through this place, God, from the front to the back, God, from the youngest to the oldest, I ask for an pouring of the Holy Ghost and fire even now Holy Spirit fire to consume everything that is not like Jesus in our hearts to consume everything not like Jesus in our hearts God even now I pray that the river of God would just begin to flow in this place Ask for a tidal wave of your glory, your anointing, your power in an undeniable way. An undeniable way, even the skeptics tonight will believe, says the Lord. Even the dry will experience rain tonight, says the Lord. Even the weak in faith will receive from me tonight, says the Lord. And dare I say, even the wayward previously unrepentant will receive tonight because my grace is real because all of my goodness will fill this place impact every heart transform every mind renew every spirit even now says the lord holy spirit be honored in this place and as we honor you We thank you 
Every gifting that you will and allow will be in complete and total flow in this place. I declare gifts of supernatural healing even tonight. I declare miracles, signs, and wonders to follow behind us even now. In the name of Jesus, we pray this for Jesus' glory. And everybody just at a whisper said amen. 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 I want to go straight to the scripture tonight. We've had lots of teaching times. and Last night we were so honored to hear from Pastor David, uncivilized Christianity and Pastor Dan this morning, the great invitation and Kayla in the women's session and Pastor David again in the men's session on being a man of God, being a woman of God. And so excellent teaching along the way. And I want to teach a little bit tonight, but mostly give you an opportunity to receive what we call impartation. Just receive gifts, receive from the Holy Spirit tonight. And so it's one thing to have an encounter with man. It's one thing to have an encounter with the word of God. But then it's another thing to have an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit tonight. You see, one moment in the Holy Spirit's presence can literally change your life forever. And I'm speaking prophetically tonight because there are so many of you whom the enemy has had like a bullseye on your back. I just see it in the spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, even tonight, I'm going to remove a bullseye from the enemy and place a bullseye for my glory and my anointing and my calling on your life. And I'm going to shoot my word to you like an arrow. And I hear the word of the Lord tonight. My word will not return void. It shall not. It cannot return void. Once it speak, once it's released from the mouth of God, the Bible says in Isaiah that my word shall not return void, but it will accomplish the thing which I set it out to do. And I just feel like tonight the Lord's going to release arrows of callings, arrows of destiny to your lives where even previously you were just kind of going through even just kind of lackadaisical and just kind of apathetic. But tonight the Lord says, no more, no more where the word that's been seeded into you even all week long is going to kind of, kind of crystallize in your heart and light bulbs are going to go off all over this place. Does anybody believe that tonight? Come on. The atmosphere of faith is the breeding ground for miracles. I believe that. And so even what God is trying to do tonight is just trying to take your faith to a whole nother level. Or you'll dare to step out of the boat, Peter. Well, you'll dare to get out of the boat and begin to walk on water because it's part of your destiny. You were created for the supernatural. You were created to demonstrate the power of God in your generation. And not a counterfeit level. I'm talking about the real, authentic power of God. So tonight, we're going to talk about this person. He's often forgotten. 
often misunderstood. And I don't claim, even as I was praying earlier, I just begin to weep and said, Holy Spirit, I don't, I don't know you as well as I want to. But deep down in me, there is a cry to know you better. I mean, I want to, I want to know what's on your heart. I want to know what's in your mind. I want to know what you're doing in my generation. I want to know what you're doing in the earth because I want to partner with you. And so we know a lot about God, most of us. And we know lots about Jesus, this man, God, man, who went to the cross and, and, died, and died a sinner's death who was completely innocent in every sense of the way. But Jesus talked so much about someone else. He talked about his father. But he talked a whole lot about another person. And that's the message I want your heart to grasp and capture tonight. This person by the name of Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. And so I want to go straight to the scripture tonight. And if you're taking notes, which I highly suggest you do, just kind of title this message. And we talked about it last year for those of you who are at Corum Deo. But how many of you know a good message is like a good song? We just need to hear it all over again, right? <laughs> and so I believe that even tonight where some of us are a little bit deeper in our revelation, our understanding of God, where God's going to speak some new things to you because God's word is living and active and ever changing and ever working on our behalf. All right. And so let's go straight to the scripture. I've titled this message power from on high. Everybody say power from on high. Power from on high. I want to go straight to John chapter 7. <clears throat> John chapter 7. I'm going to start at verse 38 and read 39. We're going to cover lots of scripture tonight. So again, highly suggest you take some notes, jot some things down so you can go back and read this again and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. John 7, 38 through 39. It says, he who believes in me, this is Jesus talking the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Everybody say living water. 39 says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit or the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Everybody say would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So going to look at Luke chapter 3, verse 16, before we kind of unpack some of this. Luke chapter 3, verse 16, it's on the, on the screen for you, New Living Translation. It says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loosen or untie. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Everybody say fire. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered or brooded over the face of the deep. And began to separate the waters from the firmament. And we know the story of creation, most of us. What I really want to even bring out tonight is that before we even entered the picture, sometimes we can be so me-centered 
Yes, God created you for fellowship, but he was not lonely. Don't get it twisted. He wasn't up in heaven saying, I'm so lonely, I need a friend. Lonely, I am so lonely, so I'll create humanity. That was not the song in God's heart. For he had perfect fellowship with the Son and with the Holy Spirit from the beginning of time. Does this make sense to you? And so, so what happens, the Holy Trinity was in complete fellowship. And again, we know a lot about the Father. We know a lot about the Son. But the Holy Spirit, some of us are kind of lacking because we haven't heard a lot about him. And so the Trinity, the concept of the Holy Spirit being a person, you've got to understand that from the very beginning tonight. He is a person. He is a person. He was present at creation. We see his activity at various times throughout the scriptures. However, in the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, every time we see the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God mentioned, the Spirit of God mentioned, he always came upon people for a limited amount of time and for a specific purpose. Does that make sense to you? Primarily, prophets priests and kings so if you aren't a prophet a priest or a king you aren't experiencing much of the holy spirit's activity personally in your life even though you were a jew does this make sense to everybody so the prophets priests and kings were pretty special they were the called out ones so you had elijah and malachi and jeremiah and and samuel and and, and saul and and david and, and we could name them all but there was a limit Because he came upon them for a specific purpose to accomplish a task for a specific season. Sometimes a couple hours, sometimes a few days, months, what have you. But then he would gently lift off of them and then they just kind of go throughout their lives again. That was the Old Testament. So it was Joel, the minor prophet in the Old Testament, who peered into the future Arguably the the farthest besides Daniel and Isaiah, Joel peered into the future, centuries into the future, as the word of the Lord came to him in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And he begins to prophesy, speaking the word of the Lord. And it shall come to pass in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So as Joel began to prophesy this, this was a brand new concept to everyone in the Old Testament because finally, little old Jimmy, Jesse, Danny, whoever, who wasn't a prophet, priest, or a king, begin to grow an expectation in their heart. The day is coming when the full outpouring of God's Spirit, this person, the Holy Spirit, I'll be able to encounter him myself without measure. And so Joel talks about this. For the Spirit to be poured out without measure. John 3, 34 rolls around. And in describing Jesus, John says this, for he is sent by God, he being Jesus. He, Jesus, speaks God's words, for God 
gives him the spirit without limit. This would be revelational for a Jew in the New Testament. John was trying to communicate something because everybody, like a good Jew, their mind would go back to a prophecy because they had been taught the scriptures so much. So whenever John says, this is him in whom the spirit of God dwells without measure, without limitation, all the Jews would go back and say, wait, 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 wait. There's a day that's coming. I remember there's a prophet, Joel, and, and something's going to happen when the Holy Spirit has been poured out without measure, without limitation. The prophets of old long for the day whenever they could experience God's spirit without measure, without limitation, full intimacy, filling of the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, Holy Spirit came upon people. New Testament, Holy Spirit fills and indwells people all the way to a baptism kind of sense. They long for this day because therein would be provided a level of intimacy and closeness in relationship such as a man had never known. Not even David. Not even David. And so because they longed for this day, it was mighty, it was powerful. John 14 rolls around. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you know him. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And so Jesus making this promise, again, you've got to understand the excitement of Jews hearing this word. For now he is with you, Holy Spirit. But soon there is coming a day when he shall no longer just be walking with you. But some kind of way he's going to be in you forever. Forever. For now you know him. You've encountered him. You've seen his activity and his work in and through me. But a day is coming he will be fully in you, filling you. It's a great day. And so Jesus makes this, this promise. And then Jesus gets a little bit aggressive and he makes this command. And we're kind of going through scriptures. I don't love doing this, but it's so hard to cover lots of, I love going line by line and scripture by scripture, but we're just kind of hitting the high points here. Luke chapter 24, verse 29 says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. Jesus talking to his disciples, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's what we're talking about tonight. That's New King James Version. New Living Translation says, and now I will send you the Holy Spirit just as my father promised but stay here in the city 
until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Acts 1 and 8. Skipping over now, we've gone through the Gospels and we're just kind of hitting the high points. Jesus talks so much about the Holy Spirit, especially John chapter 16 and 17. And Jesus' high priestly prayer. We don't have time to go through those tonight, but Acts 1 and 8. If you read, if you open up your physical Bible, you'll get to a place where the red letters begin to run out. And then becomes the writer speaking in the New Testament. But one of the last places you see Jesus actually talking and not a quotation of Jesus in red throughout the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 1. Jesus, after he is crucified, after he was resurrected, many times he appeared to his disciples multiple times. He come in walking through walls. So they'd be gathered in a room like this and just bust up through the wall. Jesus on the scene starts eating with them, talking to them, all these kinds of things. But here you have the last physical viewing of Jesus before what we call the ascension, before he goes up back into heaven, right? Acts 1 and 8, or Acts chapter 1, the disciples start asking him questions about a governmental takeover. And Jesus, you know, when are these things? And he says, no, 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 look, 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 look. Here's what you need to be focused on. Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power after that, after The Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even into the uttermost parts of the world. But you shall receive power, dynamite, dunamis in the Greek, kind of like our our, our word kind of dynamite, explosive power you will receive after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Then, flip over to Acts chapter 2, and we see the fulfillment of this promise. We call it Pentecost. Pentecost. There's three important festivals. I know this is a little bit deep for some of you, but you can bear with it. Just try and catch me. Sometimes whenever Jesus would teach, he would speak plainly to every single person. And sometimes whenever Jesus would teach, he said, he who has ears, he who has ears to hear, let the spirit, he who has ears to hear what the spirit is saying, let him hear. And so this message tonight, even you receiving is kind of going to be based on your hunger for God. How much of God do you actually want? If you're fine with saying on the surface, this message is not for you. If you're comfortable right where you are. You can just go on and check out. Just be quiet, not to distract anybody else. But I believe that there's a remnant in here tonight whose hearts cry, is Holy Spirit, take me deeper in you. I'm not satisfied with where I am in God. I want more. And so Acts chapter 2, fulfillment. Three important, three of the most important Festivals for Jews were Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. But here's what you have to understand is that on the day of Pentecost, there was a festival that was taking place. And this particular festival was held at such a time whenever the conditions were favorable for travel. 
you have to understand that Jews were spread out all over the world and certain festivals, the most important ones, everybody would kind of make their way back to Jerusalem. Some were less important. So it'd be like, oh, I can't afford to go. You know, we ain't go. kind of like your family sometimes. Like, we ain't going on vacation this year. We just don't have the money. We're in a recession, whatever. And, and then like the next year, it's like, okay, we're going on vacation. We're going wherever we're going to travel across the country. Well, it would be the same thing for the Jews. And so, 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 but, but here's the big deal for Pentecost. It was the most important important one. And so they would come from across the world. But here's what you have to understand. The timing of Pentecost, according to the climate, it was the most favorable travel conditions out of all the festivals. Because of the time of year, there would be major storms over the seas. So a lot of times it would prevent people from coming back to Jerusalem. But for Pentecost, it was like that was the most favorable time. Sunny, blue skies, smooth sailing. We're going to make our way back to Jerusalem. It was a divine setup. You have to see the mind of God. He's such a planner. He's full of purpose. And so on the day of Pentecost, these Jews were gathered. And that kind of takes us into Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the room, the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit And begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance to do so. And sometimes we read the Bible, you guys. We just kind of just, we read the Bible and it's like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like I've seen that before. When was the last time you saw divided tongues of fire? Literally sitting on people's heads. When was the last time you saw, you heard the sound as of a rushing mighty wind blowing through the sanctuary in a worship experience? This was supernatural. So everybody there, it was undeniable. Something supernatural. Heaven had broken into earth. A glimpse of heaven had now become earth's reality. And supernatural activity began to take place on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost. What's interesting here, because many of you are remembering your Bible, in the Old Testament, there was something called the Tower of Babel. Men had begin so they gotten so smart, and they're like, "We're just going to build this tower that goes goes all the way to the heavens, right?" And so they begin building, and God, as they were building confuses all of them and begins to create different languages for them to speak such as so they could not understand each other so there was mass confusion the tower fell the building ceased and then we have here on the day of pentecost one of our professors at OU used to say gosh what happened on the day of pentecost was almost like god saying i'm undoing what i did at the tower of babel where there was confusion and division before, today I'm saying that there will be unity in the body of Christ worldwide. And so you have Jews here from all over the world, Italians and Greek speaking and and Africans and all these different things. And in one moment, their various languages began to be understood by every single person in the room, 120, which by the way, they started with 500 
So about 380 begin to just dwindle down. Even though Jesus says, but wait in Jerusalem. Don't go try to build a church. Don't go try to start a ministry. Don't go start a prayer meeting. Wait in Jerusalem until you be endued full of supernatural, dynamite, explosive power that can only come from the heavens into your heart. Don't do anything without the supernatural power of God. He began to make a differentiation. He began to call them to a place of waiting. Because they had to understand the things that you do are not in your own strength and power. For what you do is simply me operating through you. Therefore, no man can boast except for in the Holy Spirit. Except for what Jesus Christ is doing in and through us. Can I get an amen? And so as we look at the activity of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Acts is just a short name for the book, you know. It's the Acts of the Apostles. And it was meant to be, whenever Luke wrote it, originally in the Greek manuscripts, it was one book called the Luke Acts of the Apostles. And so where Luke ends, if you go back in your Bible and read where his conversation, his sentence ends in Luke, it picks right back up in the book of Acts. Because it was one thought. What Luke was trying to communicate was this is the same person. This is the same being. It's Holy Spirit. So what Jesus did in Luke, Holy Spirit just comes and he begins to do through you and in you in the book of Acts. It was supposed to be synonymous. So you have Jesus walking here and Luke and all of a sudden it just changes over to the disciples carrying out the same message and mission as Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Do you guys get this? But Luke could not explain this. He could not bring them to this place until he said, look, 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 you've got to be filled, endued, baptized in supernatural fire, power from on high. Amen. Amen. You guys trekking with me tonight? Just teaching. So Acts chapter 10 rolls around. Acts chapter 10 What's powerful here is that we see Peter actually back in Acts chapter two. But again, we see Peter. How many of you remember it was Peter that denied Jesus? How many times? Three times. And so people come to Peter post post crucifixion and they're asking Peter, do you even know this man, Jesus? And and Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, mm-mm. You see a Peter that is filled with fear and worry. So consumed with the, with the opinion of man. And then Pentecost happens and you see that same shy, timid Peter begin to almost like grab a microphone and says, Hey, I know I denied him just a few chapters back, but I want you to know that you need to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and the remission of your sins. And then you shall receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and your children and your children's children to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Men of Israel, 
think it not strange whenever you see these men, for they are not drunk as you suppose. For this is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel, who said, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And so then immediately, you see 5,000 people added to the church of Jesus Christ. And the mighty church of Jesus is literally born in the book of Acts. It's the church that Jesus, back in the gospel, said, Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, if you really understand this, you kind of get excited because you realize that the church was never supposed to be some kind of defensive agent that kind of marched backwards or went off into the shadows. But he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates are built to keep people out. And so what Jesus was saying was the church that I am building will not be some apathetic, weak, lackadaisical, half-hearted church, but a church that literally marches forward into hell itself and snatches people from the fires of hell. And Jesus says this army, what we discover in the book of Acts is it is an army that literally marches on its knees in prayer and intercession through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? And so, and so whenever we begin to get this concept, we realize that there's nothing boring about serving Jesus. The spirit-filled life is anything but boring. Hard, uh-huh. Challenging, yes indeed. Boring, absolutely not. That's not Christianity. If it's boring, that ain't Christianity. I don't know what you're doing, but that ain't Christianity. That's not spirit-filled living. Because whenever you have the Holy Spirit in you, he will cause you to do some crazy things. He will cause you to step out in faith. He will cause you to give sacrificially, to step out and pray for people in the middle of your school. Not in the middle of a servant service. Oh, we're good at that. But I'm talking about in the middle of the hallway where you literally begin to lay hands on your friends and say, in the name of Jesus, I know that you got an injury yesterday playing football, but in the name of Jesus, I command the healing power of God to flow through your body and even now I believe that you can be healed oh I know you've been spoken for like four years but in the name of Jesus I speak deliverance and God's freedom over you even now I pray that you would crave God more than you crave anything else on the face of this planet oh I wish half of you would believe what I'm preaching tonight and so Jesus begins to show them Don't do anything without my power. Don't dare try to. And so Acts chapter 10 rolls around. And what's interesting again is in Acts chapter 2, these were all Jews. These are people who have been circumcised. These were followers of the Torah. You may know it as the Torah. And and, and so, so what happens is these Jews begin to think, oh, this is cool. You know, we've experienced the outpouring of, of the Holy Spirit and You know, it's just kind of for us. But then the Holy Spirit just kind of reverses the whole thing all over again. Because then we get to Acts chapter 10 and you have Gentiles. Every Gentile in this room, raise your hand. It's everybody. Let me help you out. (laughs) So we're all Gentiles. Either Jew or Gentile. There's no in between. And And so this would kind of be for you and me. So these Jews begin to think, oh, we're the center of the universe. 
Holy Spirit's only for us. And then God changes on them all over again. And Acts chapter 10 rolls around. And Peter, Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 44, it's on the screen for you. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's Jews. Those of the circumcision are Jews who believed were astonished. Why would they be so surprised? I mean, these are the same Jews that were there on the day of Pentecost. So we, whenever you read the Bible, ask questions like, what was so shocking? What was so surprising about this moment? I mean, they just saw this like eight chapters ago. Why be astonished all over again? Well, 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 well here's, here's the thing. They were astonished as many as came with Peter, all Jews, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, again, we've got to ask a question. How did they know the Holy Spirit? I mean, was there like a, was there a waterfall or a tidal wave that they physically saw? Was there a dove that flew by? Was there fire that began to blaze in the grass where he was preaching? What happened? If we keep reading, this is how they knew that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, hey, Can anyone forbid that these be baptized in water, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit? And this is what Peter says, just as we have. And the Greek will understand is, hey, the same thing and the same way that we received in Acts chapter 2, it's just happened again. You've seen it with your own eyes and you've heard it with your own ears. Can you not deny that the Holy Spirit is for everyone? Can you not deny that the same experience on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't just a one-time event. Can you not deny it? You cannot deny what you just saw. And so these Jews were literally flabbergasted. I mean, it would be like they just kind of backed up and said, a light bulb went off. But I want to submit to you one of the interesting things is... How did they know there was supernatural activity that began to take place? Prophetic words begin to flow. Chiefly, if you read through the book of Acts, there was always something supernatural that was both seen and or heard. There was something undeniable that would take place that gave this kind of, wow, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on this group or on this person. It's really interesting. Acts chapter 19 Flip over to Acts chapter 19, nine chapters later. He says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Apollos was kind of Paul's preaching buddy. I mean, it was his right-hand man, at least for a while. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Ephesus was an interesting place. I've been there before. And if you, what you have to understand about Ephesus is that there were so many Greek gods. It was like unbelievable. I mean, literally the, the, the towers and, 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 the, and the statues and the memorials still stand there to, these, to this day. I've walked through all those places. And so, so, he goes to, so he goes to Ephesus and he says he found some disciples, some Christians, some Christ followers. But here's what he asks. You've got to read the Bible. And he said to them, Paul, the chief theologian, the one who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he's not ignorant, he's not immature, he's not unaware, he's full of power, full of authority, full of the word, and full of the Holy Spirit. And he asked them, he found these disciples and he says, hey, 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so the obvious answer for most of us would be like, yeah, duh. (laughs) But it says, so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're talking about, Paul. I have no clue what you're talking about. It'd be like some of you in this room tonight saying, Holy Spirit, what? I thought he was just a nice little dove that flies around my head, you know, and or this cute little fuzzy feeling that I sometimes feel whenever I'm singing all to him or I thought he was just this kind of this force, like, you know, Star Trek or Star Wars, whatever. Let the force be, you know, let the force be with you, you know, and, you know, Holy Spirit right here. Let the force be with you. Whatever. I don't know. I'm not into Star Wars or Star Trek. So, so the thing is, they say to him, read the scripture. We've not even so much as heard whether this Holy Spirit. And again, some of us would say, Pastor Brandon, I don't don't believe that. (laughs) I never heard that before. (laughs) And so what does Paul say? Let's go on here. And he said to them, Paul, well, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. What would John's baptism be? Hello, John the Baptist. That was for free. Into John's baptism, which is water. Verse 4 says, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ. It's the first scripture that we read tonight. But, but, But then he goes on to say, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6 says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, Keep reading. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. So again, we have undeniable, unmistakable, supernatural activity that began to occur in the life of the believer who was spirit baptized, filled, empowered right in that moment. It's interesting. And so what happens is, and this here's the deal tonight. Many times because of our experience, we begin to place limitations on God. We begin to say, well, God, I've only experienced this, or I've only seen it this way, so surely that's it. And so, and many of us make this mistake where our experience becomes primary and the word of God becomes secondary. And we've got a flip-flop How many of you know the word of God has to become primary and then we got to work out our own experiences and and, and what we see? You see what I'm saying? And this is in every area. This applies to every every single area. God's word says it, but I've experienced this. So sometimes we have to kind of grapple through and wrestle through these things. But I want to tell you tonight that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. The supernatural explosive dynamite power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. And in this generation, dare I say it, it is so difficult to live a Christ honoring life. I mean, just at the point of salvation. I mean, even after you accept Jesus, it's like, oh Lord, in this day and age, 
I, was, you know, you, I don't know how people like stay in God without having these encounters with the Holy Spirit and full of the Holy Spirit's power. There's so much temptation being thrown your way. There are so many images that the enemy is presenting. There's so many arrows like darts from hell that God is sending to so many of your minds. I, I, I wouldn't even suggest trying to live a Christ honoring life without the power of the Holy Spirit active and working in your, I mean like daily, you see what I'm saying? And so, so, so for Paul, he says, it, so, so we have a bit of a quandary here. We have a problem, Houston. We got a problem because we have Christians who Paul poses this question. And I'm just asking, what are you going to do with this scripture? You can't rip it out of your Bible. I don't care what so-and-so said. It, it, it's, it's there. So Paul poses this theological question to them. Hey, Christ followers. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And I believe if Paul were here preaching to us tonight, his message would somehow be the same. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you encountered the Holy Spirit since you believed? And some of us would emphatically say yes. Some of us would emphatically say, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. And some of us would say, I don't know. Paul would then walk you through the scripture and say, well, here's what I'm talking about. You know what you've been hearing about? Let me, let me tell you about the day of Pentecost. Let me tell you because, because I wasn't there, but I've experienced a supernatural power of God. I wasn't even there at Pentecost, but I heard about it. Matter of fact, I was killing folks at Pentecost, but then the Holy Spirit got a hold to my life. You guys, the Holy Spirit is not some hooky spooky thing. He is a, he, 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 he's a person. He is a person. To be desired more than an experience to be had. He's a person. And so all Paul was saying was, there's another level. There's another experience. There's a deeper encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'm encouraging you to have this. I'm encouraging you to open up your heart. And say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in fire. There is one baptizer in fire. Many people can baptize you in water. I can baptize every single one of you in water. As Christ followers, as pastors and leaders and disciples of Jesus, I can baptize you in water. I can't baptize you in fire. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. But here's the good thing. He is willing. He's willing He desires to baptize you in fire tonight. What I'm talking about is an unquenchable, a flame in your heart that cannot die out. We understand all too well the power of of, of fire in the sense of wildfires in Colorado and how that fire just rages. That's metaphorically. What the Holy Spirit should be and should be doing in the life of the believer. Like a raging fire that burns with passion for purity and passion for holiness. Do you understand this? Passion for prayer and and living out a Christ-honoring life. Setting a foundation tonight. Are y'all doing okay with this tonight? It's a little bit weighty. Word. I don't want to just set you up theologically and biblically. Because I believe tonight that many of you 
will encounter what the disciples encountered at Pentecost, what the Jews experienced at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and what the Gentiles experienced in Acts chapter 10. I believe that now on October the 12th, there's another experience for you. And you're going to receive and you're going to experience in the same way that the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, various other places in the New Testament scripture. Even tonight, if you're open and if you're desiring and if you're willing. And so this idea of the Holy Spirit and his power and this baptism is to be understood. Now, here's the deal. Because many of you would say, well, wait, 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 Pastor Brandon, are you telling me, you have the audacity to tell me that I'm saved and I don't have the Holy Spirit? I heard it for years. I was there. I was raised in a denomination that said the Holy Spirit activity ceased on the day of Pentecost. Maybe a couple other times where we can't just explain it away in the New Testament and Corinthians. But as of now, it's over. You missed it. I'm here to tell you, they've come too late because I've experienced something that is undeniable. And my experience is not superior to the word of God, but it simply comes alongside secondary. I've read it. Secondarily, I've experienced it. So back up, back off, because I will tell you, oh, there's no way that it's over. Oh, there's no way that it has ceased because the power of the Holy Spirit is still working. Come on, somebody. Because I've seen I've seen miracles with my own eyes. I've seen deaf ears pop open. And yes, I've seen people speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives utterance. I've seen the prophetic word of God. I've seen casting out of devils and demons. I've literally seen people go from drugs one minute and in the next instant, the Holy Spirit slaps the taste out of their mouth. Come on, somebody. You've come too late. So I know the Holy Spirit is real. And all of his giftings are for the church today. This is a spirit-filled, spirit-led youth ministry and church. And I'm not backing up. I'm not backing off. I'm not scared. I'm not ashamed. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand that? And this generation, your generation needs to know that there is a very real Holy Spirit with real authority and a real power to raise the dead. Yes, even raise the dead. Yes, even raise the dead and move supernaturally in the life of the believer. And you need to know that you're the perfect candidate. You need to know that you're the perfect candidate. You need to know that you're the perfect candidate. I don't care how shy you are. I don't care how timid you are. You need to know that you're the perfect candidate. Why not you? Why not now? Why not tonight? Come on, somebody. So John chapter 20, again, you would say, Pastor Brain, well, what do you, how can I, how can I be saved and not have the Holy Spirit? Well, the answer is you're, you're not, it, you can't, it's impossible. So here, let's, let's explain this. And I got to move on here. Jesus. John 20 verse 19 says this. Then the same day at evening, this Jesus being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were ascended for fear of the Jews, assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now this is after the crucifixion. So Jesus has been crucified. 
this body has gone down into the grave and then the, he kind of supernaturally, the Holy Spirit pulled him out of the grave and then he just starts showing up. Remember that? I talked about that. Okay, this is one of those instances where he just shows up out of nowhere, literally through the wall. Okay, and so, so he says, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. See, the Greek would really bring it out that he went to them individually and said, Jared, receive the Holy Spirit. True. Receive the Holy Spirit. Make receive the Holy Spirit. Courtney, receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, I want to submit to you, was the point of salvation for all of the disciples. Up until this point, they were just Jews who were following the Messiah. And so the Holy Spirit comes whenever Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, salvation happens. So what you need to understand is that you can't even be safe. You can't even come to God. You can't even love Jesus until, unless the Holy Spirit draws you. Until the Holy Spirit says, Wes Oliver, I have drawn you. I have loved you from before you were in your mother's womb. And I have called you. And I've been drawing you for years. And all of a sudden, we choose to respond and say, oh, Jesus, I repent of my sins. That's the activity of the Holy Spirit. That is the beginning works in your life. Amen. And so at that point, at that point, bam, salvation happens. We receive the Holy Spirit. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, you can't just, the Bible never contradicts itself, it only complements itself. And so, if right there in John, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, but then chapters later, he says, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. There was a secondary experience, is what I'm trying to tell you. Yes, you receive the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. And churches have been split over this. And people have gone to wars over this. And it ain't that complicated. It was never meant, Holy Spirit was never meant to divide and to, and to, and to, to, to and make few people feel better than us. The Holy Spirit was always sent as a unifying agent in the kingdom of God to draw us all together. That's what Pentecost was about, people. And so we've gotten away from this because in the early church, it was like almost synonymous. That's why for Paul, it was inconceivable that these people had known Jesus, but they didn't know the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you can see Paul's face in Acts 19, whenever he says, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they say, we don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. You, 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 got, you got to see Paul. He wasn't trying to be flashy. He wasn't trying to be superficial. He wasn't trying to show that he had all his kind of power. It was like his heart broke within him and said, you don't know the Holy Spirit. You haven't received supernatural power from on high. You don't know the deep reservoir of the Holy Ghost that is awaiting you. And then he just simply lays hands on them. And immediately they begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy. And then you have all these different things that would happen in Acts. So it was out of his deep love for them. Not judgment, not condemnation, not guilt, not you're not good enough, but you are good enough. And the Holy Spirit wants to encounter you even in this moment. So you guys see the difference? So I'll stop saying spirit filled so as not to 
offend anyone and I'll say spirit empowered. Have you been spirit empowered since you believe? And has there been any supernatural activity and signs that are undeniable and unmistakable in your personal walk with Christ? Only you can answer that question. But I've got good news. If you would say, "Mm -mm, no, I've got good news. You can leave this building spirit empowered. You can leave this retreat full of the Holy Ghost and fire in your heart. Come on, somebody. And if it's just for one of you, heaven would be pleased. If it was just one of you who receives Holy Spirit empowerment tonight, Jesus would give a resounding amen and say, now watch how your life will be different. Watch how I'll use you now. Come on. And so spirit empowered is what we're talking about. Endued with power from on high. I'll get to my last point tonight. Is anybody tired? Come on. Y'all going to help me preach tonight? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whenever Jesus, whenever the Holy Spirit begins to operate, manifest in the life of the believer, one of the things that he does is he uses this supernatural language that begins to operate in the life of the believer. And so, and so whenever you read through Acts, again, you don't have to argue with me. You don't, 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 don't get mad at me. Don't get, I'm just reading to you the scripture. <laughs> there would always be an inference, if not a direct description of someone speaking in other tongues and glorifying God. Almost always. And so therein lies this kind of principle. That, you know what? The Holy Spirit and his activity is for everyone and his gifts are for everyone. Does this make sense to you? And so, 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 so here's the deal. Whenever God began to work and he, he just began doing these supernatural things, here's the deal. Why does God so many times in, the, in Acts, why was tongues always re- referred to or, 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 or inferred, if not explicitly described? Now in scripture, you have to understand there's something called the law of first mention. Many authors, whenever they would mention something one time, they would assume as the reader, once I've mentioned it a few times, you can begin to assume that that's what I'm saying without actually writing it out. Do you understand this? It's called the law of first mention. You study in theology and, and, and all professors and theologians agree with this, the law of first mention, where writer will say it one time and then he just expects, come on, catch up with me. Y'all know it's hard just writing on these uh, scrolls here, this papyrus or whatever. I ain't got time to just be writing. Things. Ain't nobody got time for that. Just write things all over again right all right and so like the law of first mention would just be like okay i wrote it once and then you'll understand that it's kind of implied the rest of the time okay so so here we go why does god choose tongues so many times it's to align the purpose of the outpouring of the holy spirit there was an empowering to minister cross-culturally but you shall receive power after the holy spirit comes upon you but here's the big reason i believe why do we speak in tongues? Why do we believe in this? Why? I mean, what's the big deal? Like just ruffling our tongues or just whatever. And there's something supernatural to it, you guys. See, what the Bible has to say about our tongue, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
But, but here's the deal. Now, another reason is because the tongue corrupts us. And you heard Pastor Dan mention it earlier, James chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or when we take ships as an example, although they are so large and they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. We know all about that. Verse 6, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's what your Bible says in James chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. It's unruly and full of poison, James 3, 7, and 8. For every kind of beast and, 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 of, and, and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, isn't it just like God to say the very thing that I said is the worst thing about you, the thing that is set on fire by hell itself, that's the first thing that I will redeem once supernatural power begins to come in your life. So you may have been cursing yesterday. Some of you have been cussing earlier today. And you're going to leave here speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives your utterance. It's just like God. It's something supernatural to prove his power. Again, the Holy Spirit. Praying in other tongues, supernaturally. And that's where it always gets weird. Because everybody likes a good prophecy. Give me a good word. Tell me how much God loves me. Everybody likes a little discerning of spirits. Everybody wants a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. But some kind of way when we get to tongues, it's like, I don't know if I believe in that. It's true. But we don't, we don't have to be weird about it. We don't, this doesn't have to be, let's go to the word of God. But the Holy Spirit revealed himself to you, even tonight as God's word is being preached. And so it's confused between blessing and cursing the tongue. James 3, 9 through 10. Therefore, bless, therewith we bless God, even the Father. And with the same tongue, we curse men, which are made after the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursings. My brethren, these things should not be. See, God takes over the influence of the most unruly member. James 1, 26. If anyone amongst you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. And so I want to give you about three reasons why we believe in praying in other tongues. Why we, why this, what does it do for you? You know, why, 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 why? I want to give you a couple things. We're going to move into just a ministry time of praying and asking the Holy Spirit to baptize, to empower. And here's the, here, here's the deal, you guys. I'll go through a couple of scriptures in this. Isaiah 28, 11 through 12, it says, it says, For with stammering lips and other tongues I will speak to this people, to whom he has said, This is the rest you may cause even the weary to rest, and this is refreshing. What's one of the, what, one of the reasons why, why we pray in tongues, you guys? Is that some kind of way, whenever the Holy Spirit prays through us, there's rest and there's refreshing that begins to take place in your heart. Where you go into your prayer time full of confusion and worry and, and fear, but all of a sudden, if you prayed in tongues, prayed in this language of the Spirit, there's a refreshing that comes over you where you say, I know things are going to be okay. 
And some of you, all the hell that you're going through at home and at school and other different parts of your life, you need some rest and refreshing. Come on, somebody. Can we just be real? We can pretend like all of our families are perfect, but I know half of your stories in this room, okay? And so it takes rest and refreshing. So that's one of the reasons, rest and refreshing. And at, at number two, Romans 8, 26 to 27, intercession. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us with, with groans that words cannot express. Words there in the Greek, in your natural earthly mother language tongue, that there are sometimes that there's deep prayers and deep cries in your heart where you don't know what to say. But in the language of the spirit just begins to come out of you and your heart begins to communicate at such a level with God that you've never even thought was possible before. First Chronicles 14.4. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies builds up the church many times we take in this scripture and say see you shouldn't be concerned about edifying yourself (laughs) you need to be concerned all the time about building up others and wrong read your bible paul said i speak in tongues more than all of you and in the greek again he would say i speak in tongues more than Haley, more than Zach, more than Pastor Brandon, more than Josh, more than Danny, more than Rachel, Susie, Christelle, Amy, Dan, all of y'all combined. That's what he was saying in the Greek. So don't get it twisted. Paul says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't build up yourself. Also be concerned about building up others, but don't forget to build up yourself. You cannot give what you do not have. You can't pour out what you don't have in, on the inside of your heart. Come on. Jude 20, only one chapter in Jude, praying in the spirit. But you, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the spirit. There's so many more scriptures, you guys, tonight. We could be here all night, literally, just going through verse after verse after verse. But I've just kind of hit some highlights tonight so that you know this is Bible. This is biblical. This is who we are. This should be the norm. Like, oh, like somebody's speaking, oh, just, just who we are. We're supernatural. We're, we are not of this world. We are spirit-filled. We are spirit-led. This is our heritage. This is in our DNA. You see what I'm saying? And so, and so... <clears throat> What happens is whenever you begin to pray, and I know I'm telling you, I'll share with you my testimony before we kind of move into ministry time tonight. As a 16-year-old, I began reading the Bible, but I came to a place where I started reading things in the Bible that were not occurring in my life, nor was it occurring in the church where I was going and the fellowships where I was a part of. And we're going to say, Jesus, what's going on? Like, I'm reading about supernatural activity in the book of Acts, and I ain't seeing nothing on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, ever. And so I came to a crossroads where my experience was like, a, like was bumping up against the word of God. And anytime that happens, it's a season, it's a moment for you to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I need you to take me deeper. Give me understanding. And so I begin to pray, you know, Lord, they spoke in tongues in the book of Acts. And I know people in my church have said, Brandon, you're just too wild and you're just, you're just doing too much. You know, you need to see to calm it down. I literally had deacons and pastors like, oh, it doesn't take all that, you know, for years. What they didn't know is that I had a praying mom. And as a child, some of my earliest memories 
are waking up to the sound of a shaking, roaring prayer coming from the bedroom right next to ours in our teeny tiny three bedroom, one bathroom house where my mom literally would wake up in the morning, wake us up in the morning, praying in tongues over us. And some of you that's so far and like, oh, is there, well, that, that's just my hair. That's what I experienced. And so as a child, I knew that this was real. It's real. You ain't making it up. You gotta make it up for it. There's nobody impressed at five o'clock in the morning. Ain't nobody in my house. And so we saw, grew up seeing the power of God. Saw supernatural demonstrations and moves of God. And so at the age of 16, I began to grab some of my mom's books and teachings on the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I begin to see, just say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in fire. I don't want just water baptism. I want fire baptism. I want both. I want everything you have for me. And so for a couple of months, I just begin praying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. God, I want to pray in tongues. <laughs> I want it. I want everything God has for me. So January 21st, 2000, I remember like yesterday, 3.43 p.m. in the afternoon, just got off the bus coming home. I was a freshman in high school watching TV, okay? Watching TV, this preacher gets on, is preaching a sermon, and it's all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or we'll say spirit empowerment. And so I'm watching, he just begins to give this altar call, and, he, and then he looks right at the camera, and he says, this is not only for the people in this building, but this promise is for all who believe. So you at home, in your kitchen, in your living room, I want you to lift up your hands and receive. Nobody else is home. I didn't have anybody to impress. I didn't have anybody to perform for. So I'm pacing my kitchen, saying, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I glorify you. You are so real. I love you with all of my heart. And then he says, looks right at the camera again. He says, those of you at home, have you took us through a prayer of repentance. God, clean me out. God, remove anything not like you in my heart. Now he says, looks right at the, right the television. He says, in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost and fire right where you are. And I just knew something mystical would take place in my heart. I knew that my hands would start shaking. I would hit the floor or something, something, and nothing happened. And then he looks at the television screen and he says, I want you to begin to just ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So I'm like, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me up right now. And then he says, I want you to just begin praising God in English, your natural language. So I'm just like, Jesus, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I love you with all of my whole heart. And he says, now I want you to begin to pray. And don't, do not let it be English. And so all of a sudden, this rumbling kind of started. Jesus says, he that believes on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water water and as i'm just sitting there in my kitchen saying hallelujah jesus i thank you in the name of jesus receive power and fire power from on high my language goes from jesus i love you to and out of my belly begins to flow rivers of living water this language that i had not learn some of you are so freaked out right now in this moment this is the language of the spirit you were made you were born for the fire of god you were made to walk in the supernatural power of god you were never made to settle for some mediocre christian life 
Do you understand this? And so whenever we begin to pray in tongues, it's like praying at a different frequency. It's kind of like, if you remember like what a radio is, and you're kind of going and it's fuzzy, and then all of a sudden you kind of tune in. And so sometimes Romans 8 says, we know not what to pray for as we should. You don't know what to pray for. You're not that smart. And everybody tells you how amazing you are, but you ain't that smart. Okay? And so it's just, you know not what to pray for as you are, but the Holy Ghost himself make it intercessions through us with groanings. And this language begins to come from your spirit. As you speak, he gives you the utterance. And all of a sudden you realize this experience It's biblical, number one, but it's come off of the pages and somehow it's jumped into my heart. And now I believe and now I'll go deeper in God and I'll go deeper. Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. Come on, somebody. And so and so in the Greek, what he said, not just a one time experience, be continuously found filled with the Holy Spirit. We know not what to pray for as we should, but the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I want the band to come down tonight and we're going to move to ministry time. Have you received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit since you believed? Nobody's going to force you to do anything tonight. It's going to get a little weird in here. It was weird on the day of Pentecost. It was weird on that. Can you imagine? I mean, the people in the city literally said they are drunk out of their minds. Can you imagine 120 people coming down out of the upper room and like walking around almost in a state full of the Holy Ghost, almost like in a trance-like state? It's happened all over the world. You guys, even even here in America, in, in Azusa Street, 1906, there was this mighty outpouring that, that happened. And, and, and so, uh, once again, uh, America, our God is alive again. Guys, guys, I refuse to allow a generation not to see the demonstration of the power of God. It won't happen on my watch. It cannot happen. As long as I have a voice and breath on the inside of me, you will hear the message of Pentecost in this youth ministry. You will hear about the power of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, prophesying, signs and wonders, the whole nine yards. I believe it all. It's written in the word. And so for some of you, even would push back, well, Lord, that this is not my gift. We'll just be set, settled and satisfied right where you are. Here's the deal. Even 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. We got to read the Bible. It doesn't say you get to pick and choose what gift you want. It never says that. It says the Holy Spirit gives out gifts as he wills. It's never according to your will. You don't get to say, God, give me uh, uh, God, 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 give me discernment today. No, 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 it doesn't happen like that. Read your Bible. We can't just make up stuff. One thing he says to eagerly. Desire is to prophesy, to, to, to prophesy, to encourage others. But then he also says, I wish that all of you would pray in tongues. Your Bible says it. So rip it out if you don't want to believe it. But it ain't going nowhere. Truth doesn't change based on your experience. Truth is truth all by itself. I don't care what some of, and some of you are in a great place. 
Because you say, I've never even heard of this. You're probably the best candidate in here to walk out of here speaking in tongues tonight. Because you don't have to work through all the erroneous doctrine and foolishness that you've been taught for 10 years. But then there are some of us who it's kind of wrestling. I mean, you feel the tension in your heart like, is this really of God? Jesus says, he is a good father. So whenever you ask for the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit. You don't get a demonic spirit. You don't get some weird spirit. He says, just like a father knows how to give good gifts. What what, what father, whenever his child would ask him for bread, would he give him a stone? If he asked him for a gift, would he give him snakes? Absolutely not. And all who ask will receive. All who seek will find. All who knock, the door will be open unto you. I promise you the Holy Spirit is your solution to boring Christianity. So some of you, this is completely foreign, but you're the perfect person. You don't have to be a certain level. This is the beautiful thing. So many times we think, oh, you have to be so deep to do that. No, 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 no. I've seen people literally get saved. I'm a fraternity brother who used to curse like a sailor and drink and party and sleep with 10 people a week. In one moment, laying hands on him, begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy. You've come too late. So don't you dare believe the lie of the enemy that says you're not good enough. You're not deep enough. You're not holy enough. He makes you holy. He is the Holy Spirit. And some of you have been so wrapped up in the bondage of the enemy and in the lies of the enemy. The Holy Spirit wants to be your solution and your freedom tonight. Because at some point or another, you're going to have to stop living on the prayers of all your friends and your mom and your dad and your youth pastor. At some point, you've got to get a prayer life of yourself for yourself where you know Whenever depression starts to come, you say, oh no, shokor. I don't have to stay in depression. I don't have to walk in all this fear and this shame in the name of Jesus. I don't know what to pray, but I know how to pray in tongues. I cannot tell you the amount of times. Guys, I can tell you story after story after story. I didn't know what to pray. Then how much smart then how smart I think I am today because of the power of the Holy Ghost in me. This is why Paul said I didn't come to you with eloquent words. I came to you with acts and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost and power. You don't have to be a certain intelligence level. That's good for some of us. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be a straight-A student. You don't have to be a good-looking star athlete. But you can be. All you need is a hunger and a desire. You have to understand. Reinhard Bunke says this. You know what? The Holy Spirit, your heart should be the physical address of the Holy Spirit on the face of the planet. Oh, you were built for fire. And so some of you have been so bored because you've not had fire in the pit of your life oh that's why you're bored oh that's why you don't even know what to do in worship
up in my heart is the language of heaven. Paul said, do I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels? As I love my heart, I tell you, it's a love chapter. But the big point here is that there was an angelic tongue. The Bible says gifts of tongues. So some of them need to be interpreted. So let me just settle this in your heart and then we'll begin to pray and people are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. People are going to be empowered. People are going to leave here speaking in tongues who never spoke in tongues before. Just get ready. It's about to get crazy, okay? But 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 it's fine, okay? So if you're sleepy, this will be a great time to wake up and just jump in the river, okay? <laughs> Been there so many times. It's 1044 at night. Can you believe... How many of you know that as they waited and waited and waited and waited, 500, 400, 350, 290, 275, 191, the crowd began to dwindle, 160, 147, 132, 120, bam, the Holy Ghost came. But the good thing is the wait is over. You don't have to wait. You can jump right in tonight. And so let me just settle this last thing theologically. You understand why I can't, I can't just preach like a 15-minute message? This is heavy stuff. You know what I'm saying? There's lots of Bible, and I want to give that to you. And this is going to be on the podcast for DSM. You can show it to all your friends. You can let everybody listen to it. It's just the Word of God, okay? So I'm going to be on the podcast, okay? Power from on high. Check it out. Paul says, I pray in tongues, and I pray in my understanding. I do both. I don't want to just pray with my understanding. I don't trust my understanding. I will lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him and he shall direct my path. And so Paul says, pray with your understanding. Father, I don't know what Samuel's going through tonight, but I know that you love Samuel. And Lord, I'm not exactly sure how to pray for Samuel as I should. But in the best of my abilities, I pray with understanding. Lord, bless Samuel. Lord, give him a life in God. Lord, raise Samuel up to be a mighty prophet of God. Even as the mighty Samuel in the Old Testament. All his days may he be a burning one for you. And Paul says, I won't only pray with my understanding. So I'm also going to pray in the spirit. Sometimes there'll be an interpretation. So many of the staff feel like you have an interpretation, you're free to speak. And even if now I feel the word of the Lord just coming, interpreting, Samuel, for I've called you. For I've called you to be holy and chosen and righteous, even at an early age. For I've entrusted to you such a purity and an 
an, an honor and a respect for my presence. Think it not strange the calling and the anointing and the assignment that I've given you. Even from an early age, I will use you to dream for me, oh dreamer. And you will hear my voice so clearly, even in the next weeks and months. Do not doubt it, my son Samuel, for I have loved you from before the foundation of the world, and I desire to use you. So while it may seem like you are overlooked by friends, by family, by those around you, I have not overlooking you. I have not overlooked you, says the Lord, for I have chosen you, I have called you, and I have anointed you. So seek not the approval of man or friends or family, for you need to know this night, Samuel, you have the approval of your heavenly father, for I love you tonight. For I love you tonight, my son. So what just happened there? First Corinthians 14. If you can see Samuel, the Lord's just ministering to him now. First Corinthians 14 says, for if one speaks in, in tongues in a church, I would that he would interpret. So there are gifts of tongues. I mean, if you're weeping and crying now because the Holy Spirit is here, the more you talk about him, the more he increases in this room. I mean, it's like a river. And if you have any kind of spiritual feelers, you would feel, you would sense him on the inside of you. Some of you, your hands are burning even now. That's the Holy Ghost on you. There are about seven of you in this room, says the Lord, who will never, ever be the same. Never. So what just happened here was the tongues and interpretation. There are gifts of tongues. King James says diversities of tongues. Some tongues are a prophetic message. That's what just happened to Samuel. Where it is a prophetic message from heaven to earth. It needs to be interpreted. Samuel's understanding was unfruitful until I interpret it. Sometimes interpretation will come from others. Sometimes interpretation will come from the person who gave the tongue. That was interpretation. Now, that's just me praying. It requires no interpretation because now earth is communicating with heaven. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking for you to him. Do you guys get the difference? But what's happened over time is some would say, oh, no, it's just all the same. Every time you pray in tongues requires an interpreter. No, 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 no. Paul says he who prays in an unknown tongue, speaking about a prayer language, speaking not to men. I'm not talking to you, Devante. So I don't need to interpret anything, but I'm talking to God. How be it he utters mysteries in the spiritual realm. But these mysteries are perfectly understood. It's not a mystery to God. It's a, my mind is unfruitful, 1 Corinthians 14 says. But my spirit is built up like an edifice. Paul says, do both. He who prays in an unknown tongue, pray that you may interpret. Again, that's what happened here. As I prayed, I was also praying, God, let me interpret that for Samuel. So that you can be blessed, Samuel. Is so that the body of Christ, the spirit of prophecy is a testimony to who Jesus is. Do you sense this in the room? Jesus is being exalted. Therefore, your hearts are being kind of shifted. And every single one of you, even now, if you're not even saved in this moment, 
you can give your life to the Lord. For tongues is a sign not to those who believe, but to those who do not believe. It says 1 Corinthians 14, let all things be done decently and in order. It's going to get weird in here, but it's going to be in order. You understand this? Day of Pentecost was weird, but it was in order, right? And so as the Holy Spirit just begins to minister in this room, I'm going to give an altar call here in a second. This is what I want us to quickly do because we're going to do this in order. But I believe that there are some of you, the purpose of preaching is to change the hearts of men. I don't want to just preach a good message. I want to change the hearts of people. And so some of you, your heart has been turned and open. And if we could see you in the spirit, you are standing up saying, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. God, give me a prayer language tonight. And we simply call it a prayer language. One more bit of theology and we'll just go, are y'all doing okay tonight? We call it a prayer language. It's just the best thing that we could come up with. Trinity is not in the Bible. Somebody, well, prayer language ain't in the Bible. Well, neither is the Trinity. You use it all the time. We got churches called Holy Trinity, okay? So it's just, it, it's a definition. It's something that we've assigned that we say, okay, that's what it is. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit. What we mean is a prayer language, a supernatural language that God's given you. You don't know what you're saying, but you understand it perfectly. So this is what we're going to do. I want those of you who are seated here, I just want everybody without talking, there is such a holy presence in this room right now. And whenever the Holy Spirit comes, we've got to learn to flow with him because he is as gentle as a dove. And if you've ever seen a dove, that dove just kind of lands somewhere, the slightest wrong move, and he flies away. And that's how it is sometimes with the Holy Spirit when he's longing to do something. That's why it's a big deal. Teaching moment here. Let me be a youth pastor. Oh, that's why we go around and say, put your cell phone away. We want the dove to stay. Oh, stop talking to your friends. Oh, you think somebody's picking on you. No, you don't get it. We want his presence more than we want you to have fun in the middle of worship. We want what he wants more than we want. And so that's why it's so important in moments like this where we say, you know what? I let my words be few. I don't want to say or do the wrong thing. Holy Spirit, I want everything. People are going to be supernaturally healed here tonight. I just believe that. Those of you who got injured even playing horse night rider, I just believe that gifts of healing, and that's gifts, plural. There are gifts of healings, healing, that the Holy Spirit begins to, whenever we honor him, he begins pouring out his giftings through vessels, through people. And so the staff is anointed tonight and specifically the ministry team. There are times whenever we want you to pray for each other. This is not one of those times. No students, even first. No, 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 no. Tonight, we have an assigned, appointed ministry team. We met before service tonight. That's who's going to be ministering to you tonight. So just be in a posture of receiving from the Lord. Could it be that there's something you want to impart? So very quietly. Very holy and solemnly, I want you guys who are kind of on these front rows here, just kind of want you to take some, like, just move backwards a little bit. Just kind of move your stuff. Do not say a word to the person next to you. Just silently, quietly move. And let things be done decently and in order. For the ministry team, I want you guys, your core and associate staff and staff who we met before service specifically tonight, I want you to come and just be on both sides of the room, just kind of both sides of the room tonight. And this is what we're going to do. I need every single person to engage. But as we worship him, 
believe that there's a building tonight that's going to take place. Oh, we've only scratched the surface. Oh, some of you are in for the ride of your life tonight. Amazing encounters with the Spirit of God. Not just to stir your emotions or to make you feel cool and great. But for the Holy Spirit to say to you, you know what? I am real. I've got real power. I've got real fire that I need to deposit into your heart. Because some of your fireplaces are wet and stale and there's nothing there. But if you build an altar tonight, I believe that even as, thank you Jesus, even as the prophet Elijah called fire down from heaven, I believe that the supernatural fire of God is going to fill your hearts. Amen. Every head bow, every eye close. Holy Spirit, to the best of my abilities, I've honored you tonight now I pray that you would honor the son I pray that you would honor Jesus even as you begin to stir and fill hearts even as students are seated tonight adults and volunteers everybody can get in on this even now I ask you for an increase of your presence if you have a prayer language, I just want you to just kind of begin stirring that up tonight. So it's just going to get a little bit different. It's going to get a little bit weird. But in order. See, they're praying in tongues right now. And it doesn't require an interpretation because they're not talking to you. They're talking to God. Supernaturally. You students who you haven't prayed in tongues for a long time, you need to begin to stir that up even now. Spirit, let the river of God begin to fill this place. Fill this place. Deliverance take place even now. Chains begin to fall even now. Where there has been condemnation and guilt and unforgiveness, we choose to release people tonight. There are several of you who you need to forgive people, even right now. Forgive parents who hurt you and who walked out on you. Come on, empty yourself of you tonight. Make a place for his glory and he will come. If you make a place for his glory in your heart, he'll fill you tonight. Come on, we're just kind of setting the atmosphere. It's cool. You can lift up your hands right where you are. Come on, allow the Holy Spirit just to wash you. Spirit of lust, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Every demonic spirit of immorality, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I lose the purity of God in this place. Spirit of shame and guilt, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I say, loose your hold. Release right now.
hatred. Be bound in the name of Jesus. Self-hatred, self-harm, and injury, you've got to go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of pride, I bind you in the name of Jesus. For the humble and the meek shall inherit the earth. Spirit of rebellion, I bind you in the name of Jesus. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So I bind the spirit of rebellious witchcraft in the hearts of your sons and your daughters. And I say that they will walk obediently, submitted to the authorities whom you have placed in their lives. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, increase in this place even now. as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom 
I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.